0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv, the, the the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. And with us today is Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well, Drew. Welcome, everybody. In Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, right? Yep, that's right. And Scott, we have Scott coming in from Gettysburg. Hi, Scott. How are you? Uh Scott, I, you know, just, just before I went live, what did I say about you guys today? I got a rowdy crew today, and I, I yeah, and Stephen, it, you had it, said
1: it, it, yesterday, yesterday, sure. yesterday, Stephen, you had reminded us it was April Fool's Day. this was yesterday, not today, but we're we're it seems we have filed an extension. I think we
0: do with the Smelter guys. This is to be expected. Scott, good to see you.
2: Hey, sorry, I was still had my mute and my video off. <laughs> <in> the <theater. laughs>
0: and also we have Jeff. Uh, Jeff, you uh coming in today with your audio and video? Uh-huh. You see, I, I yeah, fed Jeff him. File an extension on April Fool's Day. <laughs> No, I'm in trouble today. And uh, trouble. Jonathan... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jeff, I see you.
2: <laughs> I thought I was in. I thought I was. I thought I was in, too. We're you just... no. you guys... Who
1: is who is the trick on, man?
2: Yeah,
0: right, right, right. And uh, Jonathan, our webcast engineer, is having fun as well. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing good.
2: How are you all? Good. Jonathan's just laughing at, at us all, struggling, struggling off, with technology. He's actually having his camera on. Oh. You, you know, we're off to a <laughs> bad start when it takes us so long to get through the intro that the hot air balloon gets all the way across the screen. <laughs> like, I think it's made at least
1: three or four trips oh. by now.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: let, me, let me go ahead and stop sharing that, and we got that out of the way. Uh, good to see all of you, obviously. And um, if you're coming in from the, using the Zoom app, uh, please use the Q&A button and keep that little window open, and we want you to t- text away your comments and questions. Uh, you can talk about the, the, the subject matter that we're talking about today, or you can ask any question. And if you're coming in on the uh, BibleQuest YouTube channel, Jonathan will be monitoring those comments as well and just plug away your comments. Okay, Scott, where are we going today? I see a big question mark. What do you got?
2: Uh, That's because I stuck that up there just a second ago because we've got a question we're going to start with. Okay. So here's a question and it has to do with the news and it had to do with a couple of years ago. And some of you were in on the, pre-webcast meeting, and so I won't ask you, but if you weren't, here is the question. Uh, I thought, oh yeah. So, AP, what was the top news story of the year 2017? And it was not the Trump-Russia probe, North Korea, Hurricane Hurricane Harvey, Las Vegas shooting, or Trump's first year. Stephen, what would you suppose might have been the top news? That's some big news there, but none of those were the top news stories. What would you guess it was? I have no idea if it wasn't one of those. The top news story for 2017 was sexual misconduct. Hmm. And... It, if you remember, it kind of started with this guy, and then there was Matt Lauer got fired, and then Mark Halperin, and uh, then we had uh, the news, when the news keeps over at NPR, and then Charlie Rose, and then Senator uh, Al Franken, uh, and then John Conyers, and of course, the previously already in the news, the Bill Cosby trial, and all these things, there was a lot of men behaving badly. Now, most of these men who got caught behaving badly gave the same defense. What did most of them say about their behavior? It was consensual. Yes, it was consensual. Uh, And so they justified their behavior because it was consensual. And so that was kind of a big topic. Uh, And so here was eight things you should know about consent on college campuses. Uh, State of California produced a campus consent form. This agreement made this day between this person and that person, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody came up with an app that would allow users to request sexual consent. Scott, who came up with that form? I do not know. Okay. I don't know if it was one of the colleges or if it was a state law thing, but okay. it says state of California. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. I don't want to hold you up. Out of, out of yeah. California, not surprising. And uh, I would like to suggest here's a much better consensual agreement. You <laughs> take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to having to hold to keep yourself to her and him alone so long as you both shall live.
1: That sounds pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into this topic, and we're going to be talking about marriage, respecting marriage, and protecting our marriages, and the problem of adultery. And so let's begin with if somebody would please read verse Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, and then have some comments on that verse. While somebody's turning to Hebrews 13 4, I just got a question on that last slide. You had a picture of a bride and a groom. The bride was wearing white. Why? Why is the bride wearing white? So, traditionally, a picture of purity, right? Purity, virginity. In the society where everybody's just giving consent and having relations whenever, and then eventually maybe they get married with somebody they've been living with six months, what's the business with white? It's kind of. If there was truth in advertising, most wedding gowns would be bright red. Yeah, okay. Hebrews.
1: Hebrews 13, verse 4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous.
2: So what jumps out at you about that text? What are some things particularly important about that text, especially considering our society today? Well, the bed is undefiled in marriage, but that's contrasted with those whom God is going to judge, uh, fornicators and adulterers. So you look at that passage and it looks like the sexual relationship belongs in marriage, not outside consent or no consent. Exactly. What's the difference between the fornicator and the adulterer? Cause the, sometimes we're familiar with those terms. And I, I remember, Oh, I remember in East Europe, uh, turned out a girl had been a Christian for a couple of years or so and did not realize what, Fornication meant she thought fornication was when you're with somebody. Uh oh, cut out. She had been yeah. mis- avoiding her definition. She, she thought she thought. So thought what is the difference between fornication and uh, she thought fornication was what we, we cut out there. Oh, uh, when you were with somebody else's husband. Oh, okay, so which would be adultery? That's what yeah. adultery yeah. is. But so she had not been avoiding. Because fornication. Fornication, she had a misconception about the definition. So adultery would be fornication. Yes. Fornication is illicit sexual relations. Adultery is when those illicit uh, sexual relations involve somebody who is bound to, in marriage, to someone else. Yeah. So, like an automobile is one thing, a Ford is something else. All. A Ford can be a car, but not all cars are Ford's. All right. Uh, I don't know if other thoughts on Hebrews 13.4. Well, just the idea that marriage is to be had in honor. Um, I don't know how we really honor marriage. You know, it really seems to me these days when people live together for three or four years, and you ask them, well, why don't you get married? And they say, well, we don't have enough money yet for, for a wedding. In their minds, marriage is the wedding in their minds, marriage is the big to do where the wide gets to be the princess coming down the aisle and all of that. Uh, but, but that's not really honoring marriage. Right. Marriage is to be something, it's a relationship and that relationship is to be held in honor. And And part of that is because there's special things that accrue to that relationship that you can't have outside that relationship. Which yeah, is perfect. why in Matthew chapter one and in Luke, uh, you have, Mary and Joseph who, who have not been together because they are not husband and wife yet. Right. They, they're... They're, they have not been together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts, comments before we go ahead. All right. Um, back when all of this was going on, there was another ironic story in the news. Mike Pence was being roundly criticized all over the place Uh, because he had a policy. What was Mike Pence's policy? He tried to avoid being alone with a woman other than his wife. So he would not go to dinner with another woman, just him and her. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very good policy, but he was just made fun of over and over and over. And one of the ugliest things was this. As many critics of Pence rule have said it 's pretty sad when the only thing preventing men from abusing women are witnesses, you know so in you know, other Pence things, I have to have a witness there, and it, it makes it portray him but in the in the middle of all this horrible behavior by men, we have a man behaving honorably, and he was criticized. However, USA Today did come up with this I appreciated this after, is it Weinstein or Weinstein? I don't remember. Consider the Pence rule to protect your heart in marriage. I would say, amen. Um, know, this makes me think of those who call evil good and, and good evil.
1: Yes.
0: But you know, yes. Scott, Scott, since yes. then, I, I was, I just, I don't know how long ago, months ago, when we heard that there's some policies being made by corporations that uh, their employees, when they go on business trips, they cannot um, be alone with the woman in the meeting.
2: Yeah, and you know that's a good idea. And we're going to be talking a little bit later about boundaries, and and part of that honoring marriage means honoring it. It's going to include honor your own marriage and honor other people's marriage. If you're if you're somewhere. Why should you invite another man's wife to have dinner with you? Your wife is not, not there. Her husband is not there. How is that honoring the bounds of her marriage, and how is that honoring the bounds of your marriage? Well, it's not. Yeah. It's, uh, and some might say, well, it's, it's not adultery. Right. It's not adultery, but what we're going to be talking about is the importance of, of boundaries. Because when you stop respecting boundaries, you create problems. But let's let's go back and, to the commandment. Go ahead.
1: And, and just to point out with our culture, it, it's a good thing that people are recognizing this sexual misconduct is wrong. It's bad. Yes. But the problem is the kind of the double standard of we're going to condemn this part. But here's a guy who says, I'm going to stay as far away from that as I can and vilify that as well. You can't celebrate everything leading up to the thing that you condemn as evil. If you condemn the thing as evil, let's not get close to it.
2: Yeah. And, and on that point, uh, for instance, I think the Me Too movement was uh, in many ways a good thing because there's been a lot of things that have very badly for a long time in workplace and elsewhere. And they need to be called out and a lot of them need to go to jail or be fired but that doesn't mean that the fault has only been on one side because you take some of these starlets if you agree to do a film where you're going to disrobe and behave in sexually provocative ways in front of the camera then should you be surprised that the man running the movie turns out to be a dirty old man that is also interested in you for other reasons. Really, I mean, exactly. I just... Does it
1: doesn't take a rocket scientist,
2: right? That doesn't justify him in the least. But no, some of the accusers were not innocent themselves, right? Anything else before we go further with this? Right. So you shall not commit adultery. Back in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty-four, we've got the principle. Uh, of marriage, it said, for this reason, what should happen? A man shall leave his wife, uh, a man shall <laughs> leave his father and mother and be joined to his man. wife. That's better than leaving his wife. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a man leaves his and th- this is so simple. And mother. Yeah. This is so simple. A man, it doesn't say a man leaves his father and father. No. It doesn't say a man leaves his mother and mother. It says a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become flesh. Well, this this is good. I won't take us off this tangent, but I heard a news story this morning, and they were just, again, it's our media just praises this kind of thing, up one side and down the other. This is wonderful. This is so great. Two men wanted to have a baby. One man's sister provided the egg. The other man's mother is the surrogate mother. So she's carrying the child for her son and his male husband. And uh, it's just, it's all wonderful. Yes. And here's the thing. Things that used to were not wonderful are now wonderful as long as it involves sexual perversion. That's right. In the 1960s, how wonderful was marriage in the leftist media culture? Oh, it was on its way out. Yeah, it's just a piece of paper. Who needs that? It's not important, yada, yada, yada. Now, in the last few years, what has become extremely honorable and important? Marriage between a male, man and a man, or marriage between a woman and a woman. Yes. So we go and, from dishonoring marriage to honoring marriage if it includes yes, behaving dishonorably. Yes, and the same with, with uh, producing children remember all the stories about all the world's getting overpopulated. We have too many children. We have too many children and and that type of thing. And, uh, Oh, yeah. AOC just the other day was talking about people should maybe be thinking about whether or not to have children because the world's so terrible and, and and everything else. And of course abortion. Oh, we need to be able to, the woman has, but now if it's, if it's two men having a baby, all of a sudden that's wonderful for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. All right, so simple concept, (laughs) and it's biological, it's spiritual, it's fundamental. A man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, the two become one flesh. And that's a very important relationship. And part of that relationship is the being one flesh that then may produce, if they are so blessed, offspring. Then what can that offspring do? If they so choose, they can leave father and mother. Be joined to their why, become one flesh, and produce offspring. Now, what are some reasons this is so, so, so important? Well, in each of these cases that you're talking about, there's a child growing up with two people who are committed to one another as father and mother who are honoring God's word and who are respecting the ultimate father of us all that child grows up more secure that child grows up with a sense of who he or she is and that child grows up with a sense that everything derives from God I was talking yeah. I was talking to a I was doing some lessons on the home and there was somebody in the audience who had been a prison guard in the state of Georgia and they said that they looked at the records of the prisoners and there was a place name of mother and name of father under name of mother. Everybody knew who their mother was. It was full under name of father. Blank. Mm -hmm. Most of them just blank. Mm -hmm. They did not know. And it is not a coincidence that this was a prison population. Uh, comments any you other guys on anything we're talking about so far?
1: Uh, I mean, really, marriage and the home is the foundation of a society. I mean, there are other aspects to it, economic or whatever. But if the home breaks down, you, you begin to have a population that is unstable. They've come from an unstable home. And you can overcome an unstable home, but it's difficult. Uh, And there are many people who don't
2: No, I tell you what, I, I respect people who for one reason or another have lost their husband or lost their wife. Someone's lost his or her spouse, whether it's through unfaithfulness or death or whatever. And that individual raises those children and raises them up in the ways of God. And I have profound respect for that. That doesn't mean we decide it's just as good to have one parent or two parents of the same sex or three parents or two parents and an ostrich, it doesn't mean that all of those are just as good an arrangement. That's really why I have so much respect for somebody who manages to do it with only one parent. But the fact is there is an ideal and we need to honor the ideal and aspire to the ideal rather than drag down the ideal and pretend it's not ideal and that everything else is just as good. I had a friend in college, he had one leg. He had lost one of his legs in, in an accident. And I was so impressed with what he had been able to do with one leg. Uh, he could drive a manual shift vehicle. He, could, uh, he was a great wrestler. He was, it was hard to throw him. It, I couldn't throw him. Uh, he was just – he was strong. It was incredible. He ended up uh, being in uh, handicapped Olympics later. Um, I was so impressed with what he could do and glad he could do those things with just one leg. That doesn't mean that he would have proposed to other people that you should, you know, give up a leg just so that you can walk around on one. Uh, So kudos to those who do it without that. But shame to those who act like this arrangement of God is not important. And something else there in this system, the parents care for the children. And then when the parents get elderly, 1 Timothy 5, what are the children to do?
1: Take care of their parents.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we live in a society where more and more people want the government to do all of that. And let me tell you, you're never going to find a government that cares about your child as much as you do.
1: Uh, Jonathan Biesecker, who's been doing some prison work down in Florida, comments, uh, amen to Scott's comment about guys in prison. I would say at least 90% of the guys I work with come from a broken home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. So this is the way it should be. And that's how people should come into the world. Unfortunately, now we're gonna start talking about adultery and preventing it and stuff. Once this union happens and the children are being produced, we can have a problem because there's another woman over there and this man starts thinking about that woman. This woman is thinking about that man and sometimes, if you've ever heard people describe an adulterous relationship, and sometimes somebody might say, well, it just happened. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Matthew chapter 15, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, fault, witness, s- slander. Um, and then you have an illicit union, whether there's this meeting somewhere at a hotel or they get the state to give them a piece of paper and say, Oh, I want to leave you and go to this other woman either way. That's, uh, it may be with a married person and a single person, or it may be breaking up two marriages. Uh, and what, what did John the Baptist say to Herod?
1: It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so you have these adulterous unions. Uh, and so, um, in the book of Malachi, let's talk about this passage for a minute. but before you, before you go to this, just let me interject this real quickly if I could. you mentioned in this right here, this screen right here, where you have uh, well, the, the man who was thinking about the woman, he's disappeared off the screen there, and the woman who was thinking about the man. but anyway, in Second uh, Peter chapter two, verse 14, there's this phrase, "Having eyes." full of adultery. So you mentioned the idea that people say, well, it just happened. You know, we were in this situation and what, if you've got a man whose thoughts are pure and they're where they ought to be and he is conducting himself according to a principle, kind of like Mike Pence where he's avoiding certain situations, he's not going to fall into that trap. But then you've got a man who's kind of his thoughts are already going that direction that's when you're going to fall prey to that kind of situation. Yeah. And many times what precedes the physical affair is an emotional Mm -hmm. affair. Uh, Sometimes there's not even given time for that. People jump into sin more quickly. And we'll talk about an emotional affair in, in a few minutes. But again, it's disrespecting these boundaries and then creating an illicit union that is condemned. Uh, Malachi uh, has this text. And what's one of the. It says, the Lord has been in the middle of the screen there, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and wife by covenant. And, and the Lord sees the tears of the, the, the altar there, the, the, the women. In fact, sometimes a woman, when she describes having been discarded by a man, she will say, I gave him what?
1: The best years of my life.
2: Yeah. What does she mean by that?
1: The years when she's young and uh, her body is healthier and all those things.
2: Yeah. And then she bore him children, probably. And, of course, that's a burden on the wife's body. But she goes through that and, and handles all that. And then he discards her like a used car. And too many men, they really do. They treat women like a used car. A guy driving around today that's all excited about his new car and he traded in his old one because he doesn't want it anymore. Once upon a time that old one was a new car. He was excited about it then, but why does he become dissatisfied with that old car?
1: Because there's a there's a new one over there that yeah. makes the what used to be the new one, look old.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> shinier. It has less miles on it. And yeah, and he he men treat their wives that way. Between you and the wife of your youth. Uh, Proverbs says we're to rejoice in what? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Which does not say we're just rejoicing your wife while she's a youth. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. After a while, she's not going to be a youth, but neither are you. Continue to rejoice in her, and don't don't betray the spouse like this. Um, let's let's jump ahead to this. I, I'm going so, to put up a few things about adultery, and then I'm going to ask for some comments. Or Stephen, did you have a comment?
1: Well, we had a question come in in the Q and A box uh, before we get too far away from what we were talking about. Um, question comes from caroline asks what would you say about the old testament with the wives who were unable to conceive and had other women have the babies for them do you think god was okay with that back then and do you think god is okay with that now i'm assuming referring to situations like sarah and abraham where sarah's unable to conceive and so hagar abraham marries hagar and then has children through that uh what are your thoughts comments on that
2: so in that situation, when we look at those biblical accounts of that happening, the woman who had the child, Jacob, had uh, two wives. Then Leah was having children. Rachel was not. Rachel says, give me children or else I die. And, and Jacob says, am I God who has te- withheld the fruit of the womb from you? And so Rachel says, here's my handmaid, Bilhah. Go in uh, to her and have children by her. Bilhah becomes a wife to Jacob. She becomes one of his wives. Sarah, back in Genesis 16, uh, said to her husband, you know, have children by Hagar. Hagar becomes a wife. A lot of times people will say, well, they were concubines as if they weren't wives. Uh, They were concubines. They were women of a lower social standing. They were slave women, but they became wives. Uh, And my point is, is simply this. That arrangement in and of itself was not what God had in mind in the beginning. What God had in mind in the beginning, we read in Genesis 2, we've already seen, it: a man shall leave his father, mother, cleave his wife, and the two shall become one. Not three, not four, becoming one. Two becoming one. And, and we even see the Jews tending to get away from that one man with multiple wives as we get toward the New Testament. And you get to the New Testament And you see a picture of one man and one woman, Jesus reiterating what was said back in Genesis 2. So it seems that multiple wives was something God put up with. It wasn't the ideal. God made use of that practice, but it wasn't the ideal. It wasn't best. So then to to answer the question, when we talk about surrogate mothers today, those passages in the Bible, first of all, aren't really relevant because the woman who carried the child had the child was the mother of the child, became a wife along with the first wife to the, to the husband. And moreover, it really wasn't ideal. It wasn't God's intention in the first place. We, in those relations, too, we might compare it to the situation with Matthew 19. When, why did Moses uh, talk about the bill of divorcement put her away? Verse 8, he said to them, Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning... It hath not been so. Mm-hmm. see by the New Testament or return to this principle. For instance, when it talks about those who are going to servants of the church or, or uh, overseers in the church, it specifies they are to be the husband of one, one wife. One, yeah. yeah. All right. Back to the topic of adultery. Some of the things it involves is selfishness, <clears throat> violation of the covenant, betrayal entanglement, and consequence. You know, just to interject this, as you get into those words, violation, betrayal, those kinds of things, there's a lot of heartache, emotional uh, uh, discomfort, that's not how I want to say that, but involved in these relationships. We were just talking about these scenarios where men would take a second or third wife, and in all those scenarios that are described, Abraham with Sarah and Hagar, Jacob with um, Rachel and Leah and Bilhan Zilpa, uh, Elkanah with Hannah and Penina. Uh, it was not a good situation. It was not a healthy situation. There was a rivalry between the women, right? Uh, and and that's what you you see in adultery. And, and, I mean, it can be the other way around. It can be a woman who's who's it can be a man whose wife is committing adultery. But what this illustrates is the fact that. The relationship works well when it's a man and a woman coming together to form one. Two become one. You bring a third party into that, things go awry. Yeah. And, and and there's a lot of victims. Who are some of the victims once somebody starts ignoring their marital vows and covenants? Who are some of the victims?
0: Any children that might be coming through the marriage.
2: Yeah. And the spouse, the spouse who is not the one who's committing adultery, but the other spouse is a victim. The perhaps if the one with whom this person is committing adultery is married, the spouse of that individual, the children of that individual, and, and the parents of the people, the, the parents who who gives this daughter in marriage. Her mother and I do. And they trust her to this man. And then he betrays her mm-hmm. more their son betrays him. I remember one instance where there was a fella and, and he was married and the woman was married and they've been carrying on. And both sets of parents have gone to the hotel and confront them as they're coming out of the hotel. How heartbreaking would that be as a parent? So for the parent, the children... And what are you doing to the person you're committing adultery with? Somebody says, oh, but I love this person. Well, where are you sending them? You're sending them to hell along with yourself. There's, there's so many victims of this. Any other comments on this screen before we go ahead?
1: Also important to note that there can be repentance and forgiveness. It does not yeah. wash away the consequences or the need for repentance. Uh, further repentance if it's it's needed Uh, but that this is not the unforgivable sin Uh, it's important to note that as we go through this uh, not knowing who all may listen to this broadcast later on uh, this is rampant in our culture and it's important to see how destructive it is to avoid it if you haven't been there if you have been there it's important to also note that the Lord calls you back to him and gives you an opportunity to serve him again
2: one of the stronger marriages I know is a couple of years ago, uh, there was you know, uh, repeated infidelity and, and then there was repentance and repair. And over time, trust and healing, <laughs> it produced a wonderful marriage. And I'll tell you what, it's been helpful to other people because when I talk to people who are starting to get themselves in trouble, you know, I'm looking down the, the wrong road or things like that. I've been able to refer them to talk to this couple, you know, to realize, you know, this can be fixed. This doesn't have to stay like it is. It can be made beautiful again. Um Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, we don't have time to read all of these texts, but if anybody wants to pick out one verse and just make a point from it, there's so much in these texts. I'll start off. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, it's warning against adultery, and I'll, I'm going to pick this verse to focus on first, and you guys be ready with some other ones. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, telling beware of this uh evil woman over here it says in verse 8 keep your way far from her don't go near the door of her house so if she's in the community if she's on the job if she's flirting with you if she's after you stay away and switch the you know male to female if there's if you're a, a married woman and this man is after you and he's pursuing you Stay away from him. Let him know you're not available and you're not interested and keep your distance. Proverbs 5.18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Here's the question I want to throw out. What does commitment mean? We think about the rationale that some people will will throw out there for why they ended up in an adulterous relationship or why they're justifying doing so. And my question is, what does commitment mean? What some of the what some of the explanations people give that trying to justify themselves when they they go astray and follow they chase some other. I runaway. think God wants me to be happy. I Think God wants me to be happy. Another one. I'm just not in love with Him anymore. Uh, another one. Uh, you know, we fight all the time, or, or whatever. Uh, what does commitment mean? Yeah. What does it mean? It means make. Make your marriage work, not because you feel like it, not because it feels the same as the day you got married, not because uh, what it means is the wife of your youth, you make that commitment and you make that work. You love that woman. Verse 18 of chapter 5, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? All right, so let me answer that question as some would answer it. And they may not want to admit the answer, but let's answer it. What is the actual answer as to why somebody would be intoxicated uh, with the love of an adulteress or embrace the bosom of a foreigner? Why is it a man strays? What is it that the other woman offers him? In verse 3, the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. She knows what to say, and she said it to a bunch of guys, and she may have said it to somebody 30 minutes before she said it to you. You go home, and your wife is saying, I thought you said you were going to mow the grass today. But when you see her, it's flattery and it's adoration, even it's pretended, and you may think, oh, she can't resist herself because she thinks I'm all that. The – the number of her slain or many, and, and so her. she thinks I'm like all that right there. It it appeals to the man's ego. So this is about something in itself. Yeah, yes. ahead, Jonathan, you had you were trying to get something in.
3: Yeah, and that's and that's the point. Skipping a little bit farther into chapter seven, what, what, chapter seven kind of ends this whole conversation. But at the end, in in verse twenty three of chapter seven. uh, or really, starting in verse twenty-two, uh, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, uh, and as a uh, as a bird rushes into a snare and he does not know it will cost him his life. And then um, two verses down in verse twenty-five, let not your heart turn aside to her ways, do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. There was there was a really good movie um, a few years ago that was released as uh, Fireproof. Some of y'all may have seen that. Um, and this scenario happens in the movie where there's a man who is trying to woo a woman who is married and she's having marital issues and she starts following, um, for those kinds of of temptations. And one of her friends that she works with has lunch with her and she asks, you know, I've kind of noticed that, that you've been, you know, seeing this other guy and and spending a lot of time with him. And she brings up her husband, you know, does your husband know about that? And she asks a really piercing question um, to her where she says, Uh, what makes you think that this man who's trying to woo you while you're married won't try to woo someone else if you guys get together. Um, And and that's a good question of people who are like that. You don't realize if somebody is willing to get you out of your marriage relationship, what are they going to do if you get in a relationship with them two or three years down the road? Um, Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. There was, I remember talking to a girl who was having an affair with a married man And, of course, he probably gave her the impression he loved her more than his wife. Uh, But then as it became public, he chose for whether emotional, kids, or financial, whatever reasons, to stay with his family. But as I was trying to talk to her, I said, I don't know him, but there's one thing I know about. He doesn't respect marriage. He's not respecting his own. He's not respecting yours. Why would you want to get involved? Let's jump ahead here because I want to talk about some uh, other things here about emotional affairs and just protecting things. So let's jump down and get to that. Prevention of adultery, respecting boundaries, how we dress. That's going to make a difference. How we communicate, physical contact with another person, imagination and your thoughts, and the responsibility to love. Love is not something you just fall into. Ephesians 5, husbands are commanded to love. Titus 2, older women are to train younger women to love. And the thing I like to point out to people to remind them that, sometimes we think of love about is what we get. Oh, what do you love about her? Oh, I love the way she looks. I love the way she talks. I love the way she walks. I love the way she laughs at my jokes. That's all what you get. Love involves giving. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved that he gave. gave. Uh, there's to be a loyalty there. And when you ignore those boundaries, you create problems. So this is from uh, a website I found uh, by uh, atheist.com They will also don't know this person uh, personally, but they've got some good things online here. I want to hit these real quick before we run out of time. Seven signs you're having an emotional affair. Number one, you're having conversations you wouldn't want your spouse to see. If you're having a position where you think, I'm glad my husband or wife isn't seeing this, you're already in trouble. Number two, you're dressing to impress a specific individual other than your spouse. You try to create opportunities to be alone with someone other than your spouse. You delete text messages or emails. You don't want your spouse to see them. You're having romantic or sexual fantasies about someone besides your spouse. You're constantly comparing them to this other individual, and maybe you're thinking about a life with them. Well, even if you haven't had sex with this person, even if you haven't committed physical adultery, what are some of the spiritual problems you're already guilty of?
1: You shall not covet.
2: Yeah, you shall not Covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah. What else?
1: Well, you're not acting out of love towards your spouse. Uh, you're, you're to uh, love your wife with a selfless love.
2: It, you're already betraying your covenant. You know, uh, and uh, also, you know, if you're looking upon a woman to lust after them, you've committed adultery already in your heart. You're not fleeing fornication. Yeah. And a healthy marriage involves so much more than don't commit adultery, just like a healthy body involves so much more than don't commit suicide. Uh, every marriage is going to have – it'd be nice if everything was sunny and beautiful all the time uh, but, and romantic evenings. But you know what? There's storms. There's difficulty in marriage. But And if you're not careful, you let it drive a wedge between you. But if you recognize you're a team and you're in this together, for better or for worse – in sickness and in health. Richer or poorer. Or, you know, it worked through instead of letting it draw you apart. And when you let it draw you apart, you're you're not you're putting yourself over the other person. Philippians two says what?
1: Not to your own interests, but the interests of
2: others. Yeah. And so bring that back together. And there will be tough times, but it together. Uh, here's a good statement. Being frustrated with your spouse is no more a good reason to get divorced any more than being frustrated with your children is a good reason to put them up for adoption. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> go on. Which of those relationships is the more permanent, spouse or children? The spouse. Yeah, because it's God's plan for this cause a son shall leave his father and mother. And we- be joined to. His wife. His wife. And they become one flesh. And after the kids are gone, who are you going to be with? Your, your spouse. Yeah, I like it. Like I want to remember this. The next time I'm talking to somebody who's thinking about divorcing or separating from their spouse, I'm just, would that be your solution with your six-year-old when you're really just, your six-year-old's driving you up the wall? And there's this other six-year-old at the soccer field that's really cute. <laughs> Yeah, and say, and, and, uh, or the other kid is better at soccer. And yeah. you say, hey, let's trade kids. Well, what are you talking about? Well, I thought it would be different. <laughs> I think it would be a good goalie. And he's not, that's not how we treat our children. It shouldn't be how we treat our wives. Uh, and another important part is let each man have his own wife. Let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife affection, do her. Also, likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. The husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body. The wife does. Do not deprive one another. Now, if somebody's depriving them, their spouse, is that an excuse? Does that justify the other person going into sin? No. But you know what? Sometimes there's not one person that's guilty of sin. Sometimes there's two people guilty of yep. sin. And we have an obligation. When we made those covenants, it wasn't just, I promise not to commit adultery with other people. It's, do you take this person to have and to hold? And it, it, there, there's a, it's not just a negative responsibility. It is a positive responsibility. Marriage is a wonderful blessing, and we need to take better care of it and protect our marriages, honor ours, and honor others. Final thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts. Very challenging too in
0: today's uh, uh, standard of morality. Guys, any other thoughts before we end up uh, closing the program today? It's past our time. I wanna thank you, uh, Scott, for bringing this topic to the table. If anyone has uh, further comments or questions on this topic or any other topic, Please be sure to go to BibleQuest.tv at any time and uh, put your questions in the form on that page and we'll get them and we'll re- respond to them uh, on the air. Guys, thanks an awful lot and uh, look forward to seeing everybody next week. Thank you, Drew.
2: Thank you.